Yeah, so welcome to another episode of PhD Divas. I'm Dr. Zain Yao, and we are a podcast about academia, culture, and social justice across the STEM humanities divide. And here I'm representing the humanities, and I'm recording at the University of British Columbia, which is on the ancestral, unseceded territory of the Musqueam people. And I have a very special guest with me today, Cavalina. Cavalina Torres currently has a film that's being exhibited at the Institute of American Indian Arts, and she's also been a part participant at Sundance through the Native Film Initiative. So thanks, Kathleen, for being here today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Why not tell us a little bit about yourself? I am Alaska Native, which is to say that I'm part Yupik, part Anupiak, and part Athabascan. And then there's about like five different tribes I'm affiliated with. Um, because we, we don't do it in like, oh, you're of this tribe and it takes an area. We do it by village. That's what the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act did to us. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, I have been a filmmaker. My undergrad was in indigenous filmmaking, and I realized that somebody has to write them. I mean, I could I could wait my whole life waiting for somebody to write a piece that I would love to film. So I decided, well, you know, I, I got to write it myself. That's what I want. Uh, a lot of filmmakers are also male. Mm. So in order to get a female-centric piece, I would also have to write it myself. Um, a lot of people doing docs. Documentaries are fabulous, and we do need them. Just I, I believe narrative has a dream quality, that this is something that you can aspire to. And a documentary is something that is. It's a s snapshot in time. No matter what time it's taken, it's a snapshot of what was happening at that time. Um, so narrative, you can be anything in narrative. Um, I mean, I have a comedy about indigenous people in space. Mm -hmm. I mean, so where, where <laughs> just think, the first female captain in space was Jane. Jane, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, arguably Jane, because mm -hmm. uh, she had a whole show about her. There were some in... Uh, which With Picard, the one with Picard. Oh, Next Generation. There was there was a one that we saw in Next Generation. There was one that we saw in a, I think it was the Whales film, the Star Trek Whales film, which I can't. Oh, remember. the Search for Spock was it? No, I think okay. it's the one after that. Well, okay. they go back in time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a fe it was a female. Oh gosh, a fe I was going to say a female Spock, but. Pointy ears. Yeah. Oh, Vulcan. 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 Yeah. So, as you could tell, uh, one of our points of intersection is the fact that we're both geeks. Um, <laughs> that is actually a large part of com our conversation. We talk a lot about sci-fi, cartoons. Um, mm -hmm. I was really delighted at one point when I came across. I was looking up uh, some of Cavalina's films, and I recognized that her YouTube handle I thought was a reference to the Fifth Element, and it turned out that was right. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone remembers the scene where it's like uh, Dallas. Multipass? Yeah. yeah. Multipass. 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 <laughs> she keeps pointing to it. I just thought it was it was just one of those moments in film that could could have been iconic, but only if you're a geek. Because mm. nobody it's else like, would remember it. It's iconic for us at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> but I think that also underscores that you're saying like that there's a type of possibility and imagination that happens within narrative. Um Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there. You can aspire to be something, but if you don't have that laid out for you, if you don't, if somebody doesn't spark your interest, if something doesn't spark your interest, then how will you know what to aspire to? Mm -hmm. I mean, we have people who just aspire to be a business manager. That's fabulous because their aunts, their uncles, their you know, all of their relatives are in some sort of business of some sort. So that's what they aspire to. Well, um, who did the first uh, female shuttle crew member? What? Who was her inspiration? Mm -hmm. Was it female? Was it male? You know, what, was it even human? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Taking it to a whole different level, though. Right, right. Like um, Enemy Mine which is now on Netflix. And, and it was a guy, a male guy, who was hanging out with an alien that they were war at war with. And at some point in time, the alien changed to female and was huh. was pregnant. So then he had to raise the alien's baby. <laughs> 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 it, 
and he had to learn the language, the lineage, and it turns out that alien had a stutter problem. Oh, interesting! <laughs> so, wow. So it's just so wonderful that that is that's everywhere. You mm-hmm. know, disability, uh, the the female personified, even though you may not know that that's what it was, because he assumed for most of the time that the fighter was male. Yeah, just like sort of the unassuming universal default has to be a guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was actually mentioned in the, in the movie. And it was a point of uh, view shift for him. He mm-hmm. ha- he had a little difficulty with that. <laughs> but it was but it was like real quick. So that I thought that was that was cool. I'm like, "Oh yeah." I think so. <laughs> but yeah, I think one thing that we've talked about quite a bit of course is perspective because of course for his mm-hmm. view is very important that what are these narratives going to look like from a Native perspective? And you've also sort of made the point about like the sort of fixation that Hollywood has of just portraying Indigenous presences in relation to tragedy over and over again. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> so, yeah, either tragedy or, uh, you know, on a horse, not really going forward in their society, not not really moving, not really in sync with contemporary society. Like... Yeah, no. So in my my writing, I'm first is female centric, so I try and have a female character who does not die, who's not tragic, who's not a prostitute or a pimp or is running drugs or is a drug addict or is homeless or you know all all those things that's you know drunk, you're dead or you're dancing. So, yeah, I might have some cultural, you know, like some dancing in there, some ceremony in most of my pieces. Um, But it's not, oh, this is what we're doing because we're indigenous and we have to do that. No, it's a part of life. And that's Mm -hmm. how how we go through our universe, how we move through our universe is we have ceremony. We have lives that encompass this. It's not in spite of or for it's it's just everything at the same time. So in looking at what I write, I always try and make sure that it's correct, as in I'm looking through my indigenous eyes and I'm writing it for consumption for indigenous people. Mm-hmm. So I, and, and when I'm unsure, I call my peeps at home. I call my, uh, my aunt, who's a tribal doctor, and the spiritual, spiritual tribal doctor, to ask her, is this correct? Can I can I do this? I mean, mm-hmm. everything that is going to happen in any of my scripts comes out of my head because um, we take story very seriously. So if somebody tells you a story, it's their story. Unless they say, well, this guy from, thus and such guy from Hooper Bay told me this story. Then we have to mention, I heard this story from thus and such, and he heard it from this guy from Hooper Bay. You know, so we so our verbal copyright is mm-hmm. very important. Sort so, of like citation in a way. Right. So we never we never say somebody's story and say it's ours. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if I don't know um where the story comes from, I don't tell it. Mm-hmm. You know, or I might say, Yeah, I heard this was from Hooper Bay and I don't remember the person. But so I'm acknowledging that this is not my story. And that I may tell it in an incorrect way. I won't say wrong, but in the incorrect way. So take that with a, a grain of salt. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so copyright is very important to us. So when I speak, when I write, all the stories that I say come from my head. I don't take anybody else's story. Um, the particular story that I had to call my aunt for was about shamanism. And I was like, uh, am I exposing too much Mm. am i setting us up for fetishizing you know for Mm -hmm. white people to say well no 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 that's the way they did it on that show Mm. (laughs) like you know this is fiction right (laughs) that that whole setting it up to yeah yeah for consumptions to some sort of like anthropological outsider type gaze yeah yeah Yeah. um so uh, a Love to hear more about the particular film, which is on exhibit at the museum. Oh, Yugamachluk. Yugamachluk is, uh, uh, I, first I started it 
on a, on a like, oh, I could do this point. Because uh, Vision Maker Media gave me an internship at the PBS station in Anchorage. It was a public broadcasting station. Uh, and Pat Yak was the station manager now. Now he's in Florida. Uh, Very different climate. Sorry. And I was looking at grants I could d- use through them, right? And they have graduate initiative, and that's to keep kids in school. And Alaska Natives have a 49% uh, dropout rate at that time. That was in 2013 when I was looking at the numbers for 2012 or 2011. I can't remember which. But anyway... I looked at it, and it's, and that's what the graduate initiative is supposed to be for. When I looked at the things it was used for, it was used for study. Mm-hmm. Who are these people that? Oh. Yeah, which so is not helping kids stay in in school. So I thought, well, a film. And <clears throat> my premise is, is that when you see people doing things – that look like you, that come in through your media, whatever that may be, whether that's uh, YouTube or Amazon or, or Netflix or television or radio, when you see people doing things that look like you, you are more apt to do that. You, you become relevant. You become uh, present. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so if you're watching TV and, it, and it's all about Anglo-Saxon Texans, that's probably... <laughs> that that's not going to give you anything uh, and, unless they're doing right. But mm-hmm. any people can can be right. Can I mean can do right? Do do better? You know, be truthful, honest, kind, all that kind of stuff. That's just basic human decency. Mm-hmm. But to go farther than where you are, that doesn't. Mm, in my world, it doesn't uh, help me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I have to I have to say that because uh, maybe there's some kid out there who loves to watch uh, Walker Texas Ranger. Oh or yeah, yeah. I was thinking John Wayne. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> that's somewhere. also that is uh, no. okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, yeah. In case people have forgotten what John Wayne was famous for, playing the cowboy. Oh yeah, you and know. he was a racist as fuck. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I just read a what was it. He he was happy that the U.S. took the land from the indigenous people because he didn't think that they were good enough to take care of it for themselves. He was all for giving it back, but not until we were sure that, you know, as as the U.S. government was sure that we were able to use it right. Paternalistic. Yeah, like what? What, what, what do you mean? What? Yes, but by what measure? And because you're doing such a great job at it, what? Right. <laughs> so yeah, that he he has a quote, and it's it's floating around. That, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> but to your particular oh, film, I'm what, sorry. I was going to say, like, what is in, also particularly enjoyable about it, even though you're you you're orienting it to, to a very something that's very pragmatic in the realm of the real, that this short film actually explores things that are magical and otherworldly oh, absolutely it's uh it's about a group of siblings who hear a story from their mother uh and then they go off in search of the ghost that that was present in the story so uh, first who goes off to search for a ghost and second <laughs> who the the film is about helping said ghost not about excising it or or running from it, or oh my gosh, no! It is about helping said ghost because when you help something, they're more apt to be helpful for you. Mm-hmm. So it's more like an actual relationship, right? Of, yeah, right. So in uh, in our worldview, everything has a spirit, and things can acquire a spirit, but you know, like the the mountain over there, all the trees, the, this particular valley, um, the the rivers or the air, the sea, uh, specific seals, caribou. I mean, just like everything has a spare. They have a personhood. <clears throat> and so that's one of the reasons why we're not supposed to waste. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why if you're not doing right, 
by the spirit which you hope like like say you you hope to go caribou hunting but you're over there walking on the caribou bones you haven't put up the caribou hide for for clothing or for somebody else to give away you know then you're not doing right by the caribou mm-hmm. and we believe that when you go hunting you do not take the animal the animal gives themselves makes the decision to give themselves to you so so that's why having a relationship with otherworldly things helps you in the long run mm-hmm. <clears throat> so they go out they decide you know they go looking for them and then they um come upon her and figure out what she wants and and, and they do that for her you know she just want her tools and so yeah and it was it was a fun couple of months i think it took me 6 weeks 6 weekends <laughs> So, because you're not just doing the writing, you're also doing the directing and oh, all the oh gosh, yeah, it was like, oh, here's the grant. Can I go? Can I use this grant? What would you use it for? Uh, a film, and and what's the film? Hang on, let me write the script. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I wrote like three scripts, and and then I checked with my professor. You know, which one should you know? You know, just kind of like a quick pitch. Which which one should I do? And she said, you know. Whichever one you feel good with, but kids are probably a, a good bet. Mm. <laughs> so so that's what I did. I pitched him a script, and he's like, oh, yeah. And he's, he's like, I, I'm not sure how this is going to help. And, and I said, you know, you, you won't be able to find metrics on it. Mm-hmm. But when you see yourself doing good, then you're more apt to do good. And, and then I pitched him the whole... Uh, uh, white baby, black baby, and how brown kids knew that the darker baby was bad and the oh, yeah, whiter the baby. Classics. Right, yeah, that. Study. And then I went farther in saying uh, African American or black television, because I'm half black. We were just maids and you know the the person who hoed the vegetables. We didn't. We weren't even called the gardener. <laughs> you know that kind of thing in black and white. And then it slowly merged into them. I mean, this is very simplified, but we we became the the prostitute, the drug addict, and, and the pimp. And then it merged into like the eighties and nineties where we were shooting each other. We were wholly all all in gangs. We were all mm-hmm. killing each other. And then uh, black producers and actors and directors, writers got together and said, hey, we need to change this. Mm-hmm. And so then more black friendly f- family films or family friendly films came out, you know, like Dr. Doolittle. And you're saying the Ice Cube. Yeah, the whole Ice Cube. Everybody was was behind it. It was mm-hmm. it was so amazing. You know, like the holiday, the um, Dr. Doolittle, f- Friday the whole series of Friday films with Ice Cube. <clears throat> so we weren't criminals and ready to thieve everything. And we weren't like in the the ditch and drunk or, you know, all those kind of bad things that mm-hmm. people ascribe <clears throat> to black people. And now we became regular people, people who are business owners, you know, you know, like barbershop and the Friday after next, or I think it was Friday after next. Well, Ice Cube played a, jewelry store per, or uh, not jewelry it was electronics mm. like radios and stuff you know and of course there's lawyers and so when when we play characters that our children may aspire to be mm-hmm. they wouldn't have that and cuz even they wouldn't have that if they didn't see that it was uh, so many kids say i don't i don't think that i'll make it past 20 Oh my god. Or I I don't know what I'm going to do cuz there's nothing for me to do. I mean, I can become a maid, a waitress, or a drug dealer, you know, who or runner or whatever, who gets the most money? How do I feed my family? But when you have these things that show these are the other things that you can do, <clears throat> that's what that's what I am trying to do with all of my films. So this, the first one, Yukumatluk, which which means that 
that second world, not not the one that we exist in, but the one that exists around us, mm-hmm. uh, that um, it's more of a feeling. It's not a specific, you know, like a ghost, a ghost's life exists, not always in this where we can see them. You know, the spirit of things or personhood does not exist where we can see them. We have to ascribe that to them. <clears throat> and so that's what Yukumatlik means. And, it, and it's a Siberian Yupik word. Uh, my whole cast was indigenous. My sister played the mom. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, oh, gosh, I'm going to gonna forget. There were the three three kids. One was oh, Yupik. One was Athabascan. And one was Onangan, which is like Elliot. Okay. And uh, Sierra was the was the older sister. Uh, Jake. Oh wait. Oh no! Now now I'm mixing up the character names with the. Oh well. Uh, shame, shame, shame. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, no. I'll provide links also Pete. to these things, but <laughs> but yeah. Um, they were all indigenous, and uh, Sierra went on to make a couple more uh, commercials. So she she got paid. That's good. More yeah. than what we could pay her because we were like on a budget. <laughs> we were on a super super short budget, <laughs> but <clears throat> you know everybody got gas money. So I mean that's good, and all the fish I could eat. <laughs> I mean, <that> sounds delicious. <clears throat> Well, we had um, we had a scene where they had to sit down and discuss, right? And one of the props was uh, dry fish, and we bought the dry fish. And I brought like I bought like five pounds of dry fish because you could get it, and it wasn't really dry, but it was you know a Costco, mm. it was either Costco or salmon, I can't remember which. But <clears throat> then I had my sister, you know, it just put it in the oven and bake all this wetness out. So it became a little drier because mm-hmm. we because we like something we could put our teeth in. Satisfying, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So salmon strips. So we put two pounds. <laughs> we put two pounds in the the Ziploc bag that they were supposed to take it out. <laughs> so we have to cut a few times, and they're still eating it. <laughs> no, hang on, hang on. Don't eat that. No more. Yeah, consistency there's, between the yeah. yeah. There's more at. We'll have some at base camp when we're done for lunch. <laughs> So we went through five pounds of of fish, and there was uh, the the three the three kids that day, and the three. So between the six of us, seven of us, we we ate five mm. pounds. Of fish. That sounds delicious. Huh? <laughs> and that was the one thing that I thought. The one thing that I learned that it, it that if I was going to do more film in Alaska, I will need to have more fish. <laughs> That's, so if there's any takeaway from this or like it's one of the takeaways if you're <laughs> Yeah, don't 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 go into filming without fish. <laughs> Cuz I was on the on the set of Big Miracle and they had some fabulous food there. Is that the one with Drew Barrymore that you mentioned to me before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's with Drew Barrymore, John Kaczynski. <clears throat> but yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a film that was not centered on what would the Inupiaq do? Because it, it happened in Inupiaq territory. What would they do in Utkayarvik? No, it was centered on um, <clears throat> Drew Barrymore, who played a Greenpeace person going to save the whales. And it's a nice film. You know, I, uh, people pulling together, I guess. It's a nice film. They had a wonderful... Um, language in it. People what? spoke Inupiaq and oh, okay. Yupik in, uh-huh. in the film <clears throat> and uh, some good culture in it as seen by, because you know, it was a couple of white guys who wrote the script. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that that's bad. I'm just saying. <clears throat> when that's the only game in town. That's... Yeah, but it was, that was nice. Uh, I'm going to ruin the film for you. Those whales in real life washed up on the beach like six, eight year, eight weeks later. Oh my God! So, well, you think about it, the first thing that they think about is 
Look, there's three whales trapped in the ice. <gasps> Food! We can feed six to ten villages with just this. This could go throughout Alaska, and we can uh, repay all those people you know, with gifts that they got before. Now they can give more gifts out and all that with this whale. And Greenpeace came in there. The baby died. The two others got away, sort of, maybe. Not really, because <laughs> they washed up later. Mm-hmm. So that's that's not... Oh, the poor whales. Though I'm thinking, all that food went to waste. Mm. They could have had that on their table and been flush for Mm -hmm. at least that season. And no. So these are different perspectives. Yeah. And it sort of underlines sort of the the whiteness of mainstream environmentalism and uh, conservation. Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, gosh, yes. So, yeah, so that film, it was fabulous. It paid a lot of people. It was spread a lot of money around. We had um, seamstresses who were from the Yupik region, and they knew how to make kasbaks and titluks, which are the outside dress <clears throat> that women wear and men wear. And, yeah, it's John and Teresa Pengayak. So John was the main whale hunter, and Teresa was the seamstress. And she did a fabulous job. <laughs> I got to hang out with her for just a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, th- that was a fun film. But it also really showed me how pale that world is. Mm-hmm. Um, in the crew, there were two people of color. One guy was with sound and uh, in the production crew, like sound and camera no, not camera, but camera was all white. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but there was a girl there. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> but production. Um, so that that was a that was a really good film, and I think that it did a lot of good things. But again, you know, I was I was just an intern. You know, shouldn't really bash it. So we're not saying that we're bashing it. We're more that we're showing how better to do it next time. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. It sort of comes to that famous Chimamanda Adichie TED Talk, if you come across it, The Danger, oh. The Single Story. Yes, uh, I love that one. Yeah. And that's one where I, 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 you know, I was like, oh, yeah, everybody has a story. You just have to really bring it out. You know, everybody can write their story. And I, I really, truly believe that. It might not be words on the page because in, in my area, telling a story mm-hmm is much more important than putting it on paper because more people can hear it than can read it. <clears throat> and then in telling a story, you can change it to fit what the listeners need to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're still imparting, you know, the basics, but then you also use use part of the story to get into the finite detail. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're trying to to go hunting and it's a story about hunting, well, yeah. But that's also a story about using everything. That's also a story about conservation. That's also a story about uh, loving your family and being aware of all the things that are outside of your family. I mean, that's that's what that story can, can encompass. And many, many other things like how well your mom or your wife or you are so or how sewing <clears throat> or how well you can carve or uh, it could also be a story of being full of yourself or being humble you know <laughs> so all this and that's just we're just going hunting hey we just want to skate a seal <laughs> but there's always so much more that comes around a story that that you can um, bring out mm-hmm. in the finite detail so so I have made the conscious decision to use indigenous female characters mm-hmm. um, mostly as as the star. You know, the main character is female and how they go about doing that. I have had a missive. Um, I was given a missive by a set of ladies in Bethel who said that our men need something too. Because uh, 
fun and interesting fact. More uh, indigenous Alaska Native people go to college as that go uh, that go to college are female than mm. male. Um, and I think it's very much related to society and how, you know, men, are, they're not supposed to be the provider. You know, they don't have to be the provider. But in our patriarchal kind of toxic world, that's what they feel they need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, when you can't do that, can't get a job, can't do, you know, X, X, whatever you need to do to uh, feed your family or have housing, <clears throat> um, then it's a, a lot of them feel it's a personal failing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a personal failing. It's structural. Yeah. yeah, but they feel it as a personal failing. And then, you know, that leads to depression, which leads to, you know, pain for the person and the people around them. So I still want to do female characters, but I don't want it to be just female characters, which is what I was kind of going f- for since a lot of uh, film and television that I have watched were very male centric. Female was just the foil for the main character who was male and white mm-hmm. to, you know, love interest or oh god it was the so nag cool. or something oh mm-hmm. <laughs> you already know the tropes yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to find anything that's different sometimes yeah and then there's then there's that point where our trope as indigenous people is oh you're the one with the knowledge that imparts it to the the white savior you go out <laughs> the, the and magical save the world with this most beautiful indigenous knowledge i give to you and then, of course, they go out and do it. And, yeah, that's kind of, that feels kind of icky. Oh, yeah, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> you know, because it doesn't just happen to indigenous people. It's anybody who's not white. Mm-hmm. They they have the ability to impart knowledge. Yeah, the mystical oriental, or I think the trope um, is also like the magical Negro trope, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I said, anybody who's not white. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's part of the training montage as the protagonist is like gaining the skills to fight the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we sort of like lift them up, but then you're sort of forgotten. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the oh, it's it's painful to see. The blonde woman trip. You know, but it's even more painful to see that black guy who was like, he was winning, he was getting everybody together, and we got to move, and he trips too. <laughs> or as you're telling me about Star Trek Discovery, spoilers, but <laughs> oh. yeah, <clears throat> yeah, spoilers. The one black doctor who happened to be gay was the one that got killed, <sighs> and that is just. That's wrong in so many ways. Of course, that's their story. Then they write it how they mm-hmm. want to. Um, but why did he have to die? Yeah. You know, everybody around there is like losing their memory, coming up with different personalities, and he had to die. Yeah. He was like the one sane one. <laughs> like, it sort of reminds me of, um, like, in, well, Firefly, but then the movie, Ser- have you watched Serenity? Oh, yes. Sometimes. Okay, but sort of like, you know, people make such a big deal about Wash dying, but they don't care that Shepard died. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. And uh, washes white Shepard's black for those who don't know Firefly. <laughs> yeah, and then in uh, Firefly, one of the bad guys was black, mm-hmm. and he he also uh, appeared in Serenity. Oh, it's been a long time since yeah, I watched it. Yeah, he was okay. he was a guy with a sword, and he was a fabulous villain. He was a fabulous villain, but we don't hear about him. And the character they wrote in Firefly made him a little weird, a little different. The other villains were two white guys with blue gloves, which we never really heard much about. (laughs) Um, I know experience that was really formative for you, which is uh, the the Sundance Festival that you're talking about, the Sundance Native Program, where I have to just say, sorry, this really still excites me. Cavalina was part of a cohort that included Taika Waititi. Oh, yeah, Taika. He's so humble. 
for people who should okay if you don't recognize this name you have to because he's a really talented Maori filmmaker he was nominated for an Oscar for his short film I think Boy or the short film before that he did What We Do in the Shadows and of course his uh, debut into the world of blockbusters was the most recent Thor movie Thor Ragnarok Um, What We Do in the Shadows is on Netflix go watch it please do (laughs) and then laugh okay Mm-hmm. Don't analyze, just laugh. And check out Hunt for the Wilder People, another really great film oh, by him. Oh, yes, that was good. That yeah. was good. I watched that one. Um, yeah, and and that was for a a script that I wrote called Ave and the Uglies. And it was also sort of an allegoric film <clears throat> where she gets separated from her band and she has to make a decision whether she's going to save the young man who's the only other eligible bachelor and clearly wants her. And she's just like, yeah, right. You're so full of yourself. Nah. Because <laughs> one, uh, one of his lines was, I could give you children. <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah, but I'm so bad. I'm, I'm the chief's son. <clears throat> and she's like, yeah, nah. So she has to make the decision whether she's going to save him, possibly die herself, and then be in a form of slavery, you know, because if you're in a post-apocalyptic world, which they were, which I forgot to mention, but they're in a (laughs) post-apocalyptic world, um, uh, procreating is paramount. So Mm -hmm. she decides that, no, mm -mm, I'm not going to save you. Not that expensive myself. Mm -hmm. And so she, she takes off. But the uglies are... Not only that, which you can see, which is like, wow, it's right there. But there are also physical beings in the forest that are bipedal uh, animals who who are a little hungry, you know. But they plan and they hunt, it's sort of like wolves do. Um, and that's for all of the crap that a woman has to go through in her life. You know, the, there's the ones that are right in your face. You know, like the guys looking you up and say, ooh, baby, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> <clears throat> but there's also the those little, what people call, now call microaggressions. Mm-hmm. You know, the, all that builds. And if you can just cut it out of your life, which I know is super hard. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Uh, if anyone's managed to do that, I would like to hear about it. But, oh, you know. please write a book. We'll buy it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you could do your YouTube channel, but that's not a guarantee that you'll get paid for it. Because, mm. <laughs> you know, you got to eat, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what kind of support did the program in particular give you guys? Like, was it about building a cohort? Like, did they, like, help edit or, like, put you in touch with, like, producer? Like, what did that look like? Uh so we came with a script, and then we got to watch other shorts and films. Aurora Guerrero was there. Um, oh, geez, I have I have the pictures in my head, but of course <laughs> I don't have the the names. But they had one, two, three women show their shorts and their movies that they did. I talked about the process that they did it with uh then we had a one-on-one consultation with about the scripts and um how it could go and story and all that and then we had a consultation with a producer who was a guy um that's still going um because i saw him in the recent pictures okay that was cool Uh so he's still a part of sundance um so we met with him and he talked about logistics and who would buy the who not who would buy it but who would make this that that kind of thing <clears throat> and then we went home for uh, quite a few months and then we got to come back at the festival and they put us in a <laughs> it was a grueling fabulous but still a grueling schedule we would hop in a bus go across town watch a show hop in another bus go across mm-hmm. town hop, <laughs> watch another show and it would be like Bunches and bunches and bunches of shorts. And then, of course, we had time to go uh, watch movies and stuff for ourselves since we were part of Sundance. Yeah. We could watch anything. And then we, then we went, we were able to go to a few, oh, they're not called symposiums, 
talks by by panels and sometimes by single people who would talk about the business in one way or the other. Um, then I went home. Uh, I did get a grant from them, and I've just about depleted it uh, in getting set up for to film the script. I never did film the script, mm. and I'm kind of sad about that. Um, it sounds pretty great. So, yeah. If you're listening to this <laughs> and you have the money. Oh, yes. Just you want to be my producer? <laughs> you don't have to have the money yourself, but if you know somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but I was interrupting you. <laughs> <clears throat> but, yeah, I, I didn't make it. I just went home, and I went back to school. That, that year was a very hard year for me. Um, I had some... Uh, I got anemia, really bad anemia, and through blood loss, and the blood loss took away... Mem- not memories and I was speaking Yupik in my dreams mm-hmm. I was like in my dreams I was speaking Yupik so and I took away most of that and my English oh, went down to like third or fourth grade level I mean it was bad I had no idea that impacted <clears throat> people cognitively so much uh, yeah I didn't either uh. <laughs> I'm just like I, I just feel myself getting dumber and dumber but you know I couldn't couldn't put my finger uh-huh. on what what made it then I was writing, uh, I, I wrote a paper, and then I compared it to before and after, and I was like, oh, my Lord, this is, how are they even letting me stay in school? <laughs> but eventually, at least you got diagnosed. and Yeah, the- yeah, I, I had a blood transfusion, and that was the same year my, my dad passed. Mm. That was the uh, uh, same year I was had medical problems with one of my kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just like one one of the hellacious years. But that was also the same year that I made Yoga Matluk. Through, I got the internship with Vision Maker Media. Wow. Uh, prior, oh, I also had, I had to decline um, the last Frontier Theater Conference. Chose my my something in the living room. I believe it was something in the living room. Yeah, I think it was something in the living room, which is now going up at Green College. Uh, they had to decline it. I had to decline the offer to go there and have my script read and critiqued by industry and industry professionals and other writers mm-hmm. and people who came to the conference, which is a fabulous conference. Okay, 75 bucks gets you so much. And you just pay just like another 25 50 I believe it's 25 or 50 bucks. You pay extra and they give you housing. So you have oh, wow. to get there okay. um, and you can do this. And if you have something that you want read, I think you have to have, it has to be 20 minutes or more. Hmm. Um, Dawson Moore, Prince William, Prince William Sound Community College puts on, or at least they did, but you can Google it. Google is your friend. <laughs> Last Frontier Theater Conference. So I had to decline them in order to go to Sundance. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and I wrote the Something in the Living Room through the Alaska Native uh, Playwrights Program put on by the uh, Alaska Native Heritage Center in Anchorage. And that was through grant through uh, Ford. That was a fabulous, fabulous, f- oh, I can't say enough about that program that we have a cohort they're all writing i mean like we have plays uh vera starbrand lucas rowley um they have plays going up in anchorage uh, well in alaska uh, there's another guy that i have a picture in my head but i can't remember his name <laughs> which is another side effect <laughs> so um <clears throat> so out of that I went two years uh, in 2009, 2009-2010, and then 2012-2013. It was about a year program, and you get a mentor and, yeah, just write something and you turn in pages. You get with your partner and your mentor, because a mentor usually has two people, and you talk about it, and, and yeah, it was... It was a great start to the career. So now I'm here at, at UBC, University of British Columbia, in their creative writing program, writing scripts. Mm-hmm. So, I, so they asked me, oh, what's your genre? I say scripts. And, of course, they have no idea what that means, but that's theater, film, television. Because I think that 
having the person out there emulating the behaviors that you want, which would be the actor, Mm -hmm. is much better than hearing about it or reading it. Hmm. That's an interesting point. Because one book, one person. Right. Whereas if you do a production, then that means you get jobs for other people, representation Mm -hmm. for other people. Mm -hmm. It's like something that's more Mm -hmm. immediately communal. Right. I I never thought about that way. So even if you're on TV, all those actors on on, in the TV got paid somehow. Mm -hmm. Right. And it spreads it out farther. And then how many people can sit in front of a TV and watch it? So, okay, so TV's not your thing. Theater, how many people can sit in a room and watch it? Mm -hmm. You know, and Winter Bear, which was written by Anne Henley, who's not Alaska Native, but she wrote this fabulous piece about uh, suicide because that's a problem in our in our communities: suicide and depression, which then people self-medicate. <laughs> it's it's not separate, okay? It's not separate, people. When you self-medicate, when you're depressed or you're suicidal, mm-hmm. which is. <laughs> but anyway, she she wrote that piece, and it's been going. Oh. Oh golly. Um, I believe that 2013 may have been the time that I also organized uh, an uh, it was an intro to acting, some uh, like a one day event, and then people got to audition for Winter Bear that that year. It was when Rebecca Black was the a director. I don't know who mm-hmm. the director is now, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> they have been going around yearly. And they they hit villages. They put on the play. They pack up, go to the other one. It's it's a fabulous show. I saw it at Frontier, yeah. <laughs> the last Frontier Theater Conference, because not only do you get your play read, but four of the nights that it's on, a full play production, and then there's one night where it's uh, a bunch of shorts. Like they're supposed to be ten editors, and then every night. You can go to a bar and a bunch of us get together and you read your 10-minute stuff. <laughs> Very communal. <laughs> yeah. it's Oh, it's it's amazing. And the, there's always a party and then you get to go on a ship to go see the glacier. <coughs> so that's when I the, – the first year is when I saw that one because I had mm-hmm. um, The Trail Home, which has gone through cetera, several iterations <coughs> – so the trail home went to the was the first one that was at the theater conference, and it was also one of the first Alaska Native things, Alaska Native plays in almost twenty years. What? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Damn. <coughs> well, they had they. The story I got was that they had a little difficulty. I don't know on whose side that difficulty. Was I don't know what it was, but they just said well we had a little difficulty last time, and then we had the Alaska Native uh, Playwrights Program, and we got a hold of him, or they got a hold of him, and he offered, you know what, just send it it if we want, we'll put it up. So I sent mine, and I think Lucas did Williams Inc. at that same one, <clears throat> so we got a critique by. It was an interesting experience. It was wonderful. Well, that's where I came out to say that I am not writing about alcohol Mm. because, as with most people of color, we're stereotyped in Mm. that we're alcoholics, we have no place to live, you know, we're all homeless, we're alcoholics. and uh, prostitutes, you know, mm-hmm. looking for the next drink or, or were addicts of some sort. <clears throat> and I didn't want to I didn't want to do that. I got pushed back there. There were some people there. Oh, there's so many stories that you could write about. I'm like, uh, people are bad enough without alcohol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, like, there's so many stories that exist already. And like, you're uh, trying and to... they're negative. Yeah. I mean, um coming out of that how do you come out of that you have to see something that's positive because uh, I don't remember who said it 
but one bad thing, you have to do 20 good things, relatively, 20 good things in order to alleviate that bad feeling. Hmm. That doesn't get rid of the bad thing. So if your life is basically positive, then when you have a bump in the road that's bad or whatever, you're not going to discombobulate. But on the other hand, if your life is just negative, 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 all the messages you used to hear about yourself are negative, all the things you do have negative messages, you ha- you get one one praise. You'll be like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> and then move on because you're in a sea of negative. <laughs> so, yeah. And so film is one thing that I believe that I can do or theater. Uh, television also is that I can do that will uh, create positive images Mm -hmm. for kids, for young adults, for whatever, you know, they positive images are a really important aspect of growing up. And if you don't have positive images or the positive images you see are not of yourself, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I read Heidi (laughs) So did I. <laughs> it was a nice book. It was a cute story. But let me tell you, it was not of myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how I saw it. It's, 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 it's a nice story. Like Switzerland sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> for for Even for orphans. Mm. <laughs> you know, I was out there reading Andre Norton and uh, Barbara Hambly uh, and Mercedes Lackey. And even then... I still had it in my head if they said a girl or a woman, they were probably white. Same. Yeah. Like yeah. that's sort of the the bind. Like obviously we see so much pushback now. There's amazing people of color and women of color who have been writing and have been writing for a long time, like Delaney mm-hmm. and so forth. But still, like if you're a geek and you grew up a geek, you had to just be fine with not being represented in a way. Or like you had to, you had to make do like because. Uh, yeah. You had to get the overarching theme of the work as opposed to the specific themes. Mm-hmm. Is this a good thing? Are we being good? <laughs> you know, are we being honest? Are we helping people? You know, that the overarching, but that doesn't always speak to our insides, you know, our, mm-hmm. our inner person. Like that's just basic human decency. Mm-hmm. Just be nice. <laughs> so on a completely different note though, um you mentioned the fact that Something in the living Something room. Something in the living room. Uh, so <laughs> we are actually, um, so I met Cavalina through Green College UBC, which is, I've mentioned Green College a bunch of times now <laughs> on the podcast. Uh, but the play for this year that the Green College players are going to be putting on is going to be that play. And so they're in rehearsals right now. Um, but which is my same, my weird pivot is the fact that the main character is this very interesting serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> female. Yeah, female serial killer. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? So wanna, yeah, people, uh, first thing I want to yeah. say is they're having fabulous fun. So <laughs> if you want people to, if you want to come see people have fun, then you have to come see the play. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, I guess you could say it's a black comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very dark. And if you look at it on the face of it, it's a woman having a bad day. <laughs> yes, she's a serial killer. She's she's trying to assassinate these people. And, you know, she ends up at the wrong house. But she's just basically having a bad day. But there's other nuances in it that <clears throat> that I'm hoping that people will go home and talk about. You know, how strong is Jules? And, and Jules has a parallel life that... Cora Alice has. Mm. Jules is the housewife. Cora Alice is our uh, <laughs> our assassin. Mm-hmm. Protagonist. Loosely speaking. <laughs> yeah. So Cora Alice has a bunch of people trying to get to her. And Jules has a bunch of people that she has to contend with. And, and her whole her whole life is centered around herself and how strong she is. And it's fabulous when I hear the players come up and say, oh my gosh, I thought they were just a whiny little booger. <laughs> and no, it's something totally different. <laughs> and the director, uh, Matthew mm-hmm. Aubin. 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 Aubin, I think. Matthew Aubin. Anyways. Yeah, he, hey, he's Matthew. fabulous. He's, he's, his background is lit major, so um, he knows 
I, I wrote a lot of subtle stuff in there, and he knows how to get them mm. to see that subtlety. Nice. You know, it's just not a whole bunch of screeching and, you know, moaning and, oh, woe is my life stuff. You know, with a little, little ocular jab every once in a while. <laughs> with that, the skinning knife, or the killing yeah. knife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and, and a gut, gut hook is a thing. Mm. You, you, can, you can Google it. And you'll see what a gut hook is. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, it's it's fun. It's uh, it's kind of serious, but if you don't want to see the seriousness, then it's just fun. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll go there, you'll laugh because it, it's really it's. We have to stop, mm-hmm. <laughs> have a little giggle, and then go on. I mean, <laughs> almost every every rehearsal. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, sadly, I used to I should have disclosure. I was part of the production, but then I have way too many deadlines coming up right before uh, right before showtime actually happens. So I'd have to miss like so many of those vital last moment rehearsals. So uh, it was. Yeah. Yeah. There's a I, hole in my life now. But. <laughs> yeah, I was looking forward mm-hmm. to that. <laughs> but we have. Uh, well, let's see. There's a professor. Who was her mentor? Cora Alice's mentor. There is Fat Cat and uh, Crime Boss. Yeah, yeah, Crime Boss, who was her boss uh, slash lover. <laughs> so was the professor, and and uh, Cowboy, who he just he thinks entirely too much of himself. <laughs> he can get anybody. <laughs> If he would just smile and woo them correctly. Uh, and then Johnny, who's the silent one, his his first line is boogers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, boogers. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, that's that's half the cast right there. Or half the characters, I should say. Um, then we have uh, Edward Jimmy. Mm. Not to be confused with Jimmy Edward. Oh, yes. <laughs> Because everybody gets that wrong, uh, and then of course Jules uh, Edward Jimmy is a leather salesman, um, leather craft salesman, uh, and then Jules, who's the housewife, her her boy toy sweetie, and her husband Toke. Mm. <laughs> it's it's going to be hilarious, and but you've also had, you said like which was which were uh, which of your plays has also been put on before? I forget you mentioned. Oh, I have a series of one acts like uh let's see Chtugmi, um which was a play about a guy versus the elements and the elements were in uh, I brought out the personhood and the wind and the cold actually came out and talked to him they said come come hang with me <clears throat> and then uh little person which is not we had little person before they had little person, little people associations. It's mm. not the same thing. Mm. <laughs> In our epistemology, a uh, little person is a being that takes children and keeps them in their den, and they may or may not escape. Okay. And time passes differently in the den versus outside. Um so, yeah, you can actually Google that, and there is an article in the paper uh, in Alaska a few years ago about some girl who disappeared on the tundra and came back like a week later, hmm. and nothing was wrong with her. And she she uh, talked about uh, f- finding another person there, and when she described them, it was the same clothing as a person who had disappeared 30 years ago. Hmm. So... For what it's mm-hmm. worth. <laughs> so they're not inherently bad. They're not inherently good. They're just like, this mm-hmm. is what they do. They exist just like men do. Um, anyway, the, the little person in Chtugmi is the embodiment of your mental health when you're out in the woods by yourself. Mm. Especially if you're out there alone. And he was a wood he was a woodcutter. So he was he was out there getting wood for his family. Uh, then there's little bits, 
which was a short, this is also a short one. Uh, and it was uh, a trans woman trying to get her grandmother to go into hospice or care while she went under the knife. Oh, yeah. I remember what when you, you presented that with Corey. Yeah, that was... Yeah, it's just two people, and it was so. It's so powerful when, you when when you see it up, Mm -hmm. produced and all that, and it was a, on paper when you read it, and you're getting all the timing correctly. It's about five minutes. It's a fifteen page thing, but it's Mm -hmm. about five minutes, and then when you put all the positive, uh, I mean, all the pauses and all of the blocking in, it becomes longer. And it always feels longer because of the heavy emotion mm-hmm. that's in it. Uh, so, is that uh, the one that was anthologized? I remember. Uh, no, I have a monologue that Cora Alice talks, in which Cora Alice talks about how she just wants her money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in a monologue book, best monologues for male and female, uh, Last Frontier theater conference from beginning to 2012, I think. Mm. So I don't know what the inception date was, but it was to 2012. And I believe it might be on on Amazon, but you can also Google that and it'll come up with a page where you can buy it from the the, um, people who edited it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say that I did not get paid for that. My payment was that I got published. Oh. Okay, and and everybody in that book, their payment was that they got published. I guess that's often the trade-off, right, in entertainment. Like, you do it for the exposure type. When you're a baby writer, that's what you do. (laughs) When you get more things under your belt, that's not what you do. And, yeah. Yeah. I guess, well, I mean... I feel like you're more than a baby writer at this point. Um, maybe we should finish by talking about any other things that you're looking forward to. Of course, so this play is coming out. There's a couple other things you have under your belt. I know that you're working on a bunch of grants right now. Uh, I'm, geez. I think the most thing that I've, I'm proud of is being able to get Tumyaraka done the first episode of it done <laughs> and it's a comedy indigenous in space uh and it's like i don't know it feels like red dwarf if you're a geek you should know that one yes <laughs> uh, uh versus mrs brown's boys sort of like those two have melded thrown in with some indigenous humor and all of that we're just trying to we're saying, you know what, the earth is crowded. You wanted it anyway. We're out of here. And so it's their journey through space and the trials and tribulations and a shit ton of laughter. <laughs> Not necessarily from them. <laughs> I was going to say, have you listened to the podcast Métis in Space? I haven't. Ooh, I should send it to you. You have to. <laughs> oh, I, I guess I sort of, like, because it's exactly about... Um, well, I believe the hosts are both um, Métis, but they have a lot of, like, really great indigenous academics and writers, but, like, the focus is on all this geek stuff. Yeah. So I'll send it to you. <laughs> oh, that'd, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> so, yeah, and now I'm, as we we started in the beginning about my aunt, I had to call her to see if what I was doing okay about the gays, you know, mm-hmm. because writing about the, the shaman. And I have to write the outline. I have... 24 hours. <laughs> 24 hours? Okay. Well, okay. Maybe a little bit more than that, but mm-hmm. not that much, because uh, I just got the okay mm-hmm. yesterday, so and the deadline's tomorrow. So, yeah. So, I'm I'm excited to do that. Uh, of course, I might still do bird people, because I like bird people. I mean, that would be another, um, is humans versus bird people, mm-hmm. and... You can make the humans whatever color you want. You can make the bird people whatever color you want. And it's just the interaction between the two. Mm. And, of course, who's the bad guy? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, if you, if you want to be my manager, <laughs> if you want to be my agent, <laughs> I have something to send you. <laughs> 
But yeah, seriously, I I, I haven't broke through that yet. And I mm-hmm. would I yeah. And and I look at all all the other writers that I know who are my cohort and mm-hmm. they took a different track and I'm like, Oh man. Aw Well, <laughs> my fingers are, are crossed for you and the future is not set. Um No, it's as not. we know from Terminator, but <laughs> That is why I write space, mm-hmm. why I watch, why I write sci-fi, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not set in stone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Cavalina, for joining me today. Um, Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, I'm Dr. Zainiao. This is PH Divas. You can like, subscribe, follow us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on, on Facebook and Twitter. And take care of yourselves and check out Cavalina's stuff. I'll be to all the stuff that we mentioned um, in the episode description. Bye.